I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, what does the baseball deadline have to do with background checks? And why you shouldn't act like the New York Yankees? Stick around. This week was the baseball trade deadline, Major League Baseball, the time of year where Teams have to finalize their rosters, the list of players they intend to use if they're fortunate enough to make the playoffs. And I'm going to have a lot of fun today talking about two of my favorite things here, baseball and background checks. But before we dive in, a word from today's sponsor. Argyle is the leading payroll connectivity platform. Their PBSA-accredited solution automates employment verifications so screeners can cut costs, speed up turnaround times, and minimize manual processing. For accurate, cost-effective employment verifications, Argyle is the clear choice. Learn more at argyle.com. Okay, well, there's more in common with running a baseball franchise and a background check business than than you might think. Baseball is uh, essentially a six-month season. The old adage is you spend the first two months seeing what you have, you spend the next two months planning to see how good you are, And then you spend the last two months pushing toward the playoffs with the team that you've spent most of the the season building. And this week was that deadline. Any player acquired after the deadline can't play in the playoffs and is thus much less valuable to their team. So most teams, especially this time of year, look inward at themselves. They look outward at their competitors. They evaluate whether teams are winning, losing, and they make judgment calls on whether they're going to be able to keep up. Those teams that see a path forward, they make the investment in their team. They add higher-priced talent. They seek out opportunities to do what they need to do to make themselves stronger. Those that take an honest look in the mirror and don't like what they see, well, they're going to operate a little differently. They cut costs. They shed high salaries, acquire lower-cost talent, all in an effort to reposition themselves for the future. Which brings me to our space. You know, the the trade deadline reminded me of one of the most common conversation topics I've had in in 2023. What's going to happen with the economy? Will inflation continue to rise? Will job openings continue to drop? Will the COVID boom end? Technology companies early in the year had a lot of layoffs. Will will that continue or has it through the course of the year? You know, and, and share prices, for example, of the publicly traded CRAs in our industry, they've fallen and s- still haven't rebounded to their post-IPO highs. First Advantage has rebounded somewhat, but Sterling and Higher Right are, are still hovering close to their 52-week lows. So everyone says, what will happen? What will happen? And, and these are questions CRAs continue and should continue to ask themselves. Today, I'm going to share four things to think about specific to our businesses that'll help you decide whether it's time to buy or sell, whether business conditions are likely to improve, whether they're likely to slide for a bit, is it the right or the wrong time to invest in yourselves, or should you cut back and maybe reduce costs in your businesses, retreat a bit. Lastly, I'll finish with why you should not act like my beloved New York Yankees. So, you know, again, if I had a dollar for every conversation or question I'd gotten on the topic, you know, the really the behind the scenes sentiment around this, hey, what are we going to do or what's going to happen? The behind the scenes sentiment is, of course, well, what, what's going to happen to me? What does the future hold? And on, on a practical level, right, these buy or sell decisions, they lead to choices that we need to make about whether to hire, whether to fire, 
whether invest in marketing, communications, technology, a sales staff. Do we give raises? What amount do we give raises to? What about bonuses? All the things that go into running a business on the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month level. So that brings me to our first tip today. Are you in control of you? And that's really just as it sounds. Do you control what happens to you? Or for the Seinfeld fans here, are you the master of your domain? Or is it the other way around? Does the world control you? It's a judgment-free zone here. I'm not bothered either way. But you need to know what you are so when you have to make a good choice, you're able to. If you control you, and you have a few strong deals in the pipeline and a great operations manager who's just now starting to get it, a good team and a sales force hitting their numbers, who cares what the interest rates are? Who cares if the market is down 4%? Some of the best years I've had inside a CRA were awful years economically outside of our building. You're you're really happy because the things that you can control are, are going really well, If that's the case, why spend your time worrying about what you can't control? Now, I'll I'll peer down the rabbit hole on that control question a little bit. I, I think it's human nature, but I wonder why we often think that our lack of control on an issue means we're automatically taking the loss. You know, why why is lack of control usually assumed to be disadvantageous to us? You know, sometimes you don't have control and good things happen anyway. I can't control how a pilot lands the plane, but somehow they do every time. Not being able to control something doesn't always mean weakness, especially if not being able to control it provides the freedom and clarity to push forward, to go and focus on the things that can be controlled. That's really, really liberating. You know, Another specific example in our space, I mentioned interest rates a second ago. Do macroeconomic conditions affect your business or don't they? Because it's easy to get caught up in the headlines. It's easy to see unemployment below 4%, job openings and quits at historical highs. It's easy to see splashy booth designs at trade shows and think, man, everybody else is rocking it. It's going to happen to me soon, too. On the other side, LinkedIn, sometimes it's full of open-to-work banners and layoff posts. A larger client might have just announced a hiring freeze or a recently signed enterprise-level deal turns out to just be 30% of what everyone hoped it would be. So if you're sitting in that chair, man, it looks like the world's starting to crumble. Will I be the next one to fall down? And I, I mentioned earlier the stock prices of publicly traded companies in our industry, their dip over the last year or so. Now, I'm neither a stock analyst nor a financial analyst here, but here's what I think. Is their price somewhat reflective of the market's opinion on the state of employment screening? Yep. Is it specific to the market's opinion on the state and future financial performance of those companies? Sure is. Is their stock price reflective on the market's opinion of your business? Not really. Yeah, there's some macro level connection, but I'd wager whether you're a buyer or a seller, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about the near term or intermediate state of your business, Wall Street's not going to have anything to do with that. Number two, what's your competition doing? And and no, I'm not just talking about Sterling First Advantage, Higher Right, Checker, Accurate. They're they're probably not really your competitors. I mean, yeah, they're competitors, and because of their sheer size, you're going to run across them a lot. You take clients from them, they take clients from you, but they're not really a true competitor. 
they're going to outmuscle you with their size, sales staff, marketing machines, anyways. And there's there's not a lot you can do about it. Yeah, you can and do run up against them, and you can compete and win on being different, much as they can do the same to you. But I'd argue that's more of a function of their size and coincidence, not a concerted marketing effort to go take on a specific large CRA or their concerted marketing effort to go take on you. I'm talking about the companies you compete with on an apples to apples basis. Those in your same region, your same size, those who focus on the same industries as you, those on the same platforms or with the same integrations or partnerships. You should regularly, I say quarterly, you should check in. You should learn, listen, see. How are they communicating? What's the message they're sharing with the marketplace? Is it the same? Is it different? Um, Not because I want you to follow them. You don't have to do the same thing. But because I want you to be aware of what they're doing and how it can, can't, or otherwise affect of what you're doing in the course of operating your business. So on to number three. What have you tried before? And I'll talk about that in a little more depth right after we hear again about today's sponsor, Argyle. Argyle is, as we said before, the leading payroll connectivity platform. Their PBSA-accredited solution automates employment verifications so screeners can cut costs, speed up turnaround times, and minimize manual processing. For accurate, cost-effective employment verifications, Argyle is the clear choice. You can contact them and learn more at argyle.com. Number three, okay, what have you or what haven't you tried before? The past doesn't always predict the future, but it sure does rhyme. Over the course of owning your business or running your division or leading your team, whichever business seat those of you who are listening happen to be sitting in right now, I'm positive this podcast isn't the first time you've ever thought about how or whether to make improvements in your business. So in light of that, I'm going to ask you to look back or look inside your organization. If you're thinking of something different, what have you had success with in the past? Was it a new product, a new partnership, a new integration? Maybe it's that, but in reverse. A new partnership that has run its course or a product that showed a lot of promise. Maybe the market or your customer base hasn't responded as you had hoped or expected. Perhaps an integration that requires annual maintenance spend or development costs but really isn't worth it anymore. A a good decision-making process on whether you're a buyer or a seller should include a review of what's worked, what's working, what didn't, what's not working now, and what is really time to pull a plug. Like the earlier examples, technology, a marketing strategy, a partnership, an integration. But there's, you know, those things, again, they, they all still matter. But there's something I didn't talk about yet, and it's the people. And it's where I'm probably at my most cold hearted when it comes to being a business advisor. Listen, it's okay to review your team. And I'd say it's absolutely necessary. It's okay to look to strengthen it as well. Not necessarily by adding headcount, but by replacing a poor performer with a strong one, especially if other people are selling and you're buying. You know, good teams chase championships. They don't stand pat with what they have. They stand pat if their team's good enough to win, but if they're not, they're looking to improve. And the trade deadline is often the, the one of the best opportunities to get stronger on the people side. Strong companies are doing it. And if you fit the mold and you see an opportunity to be a buyer, you should too. I'll, I'll wrap up this point in a, a slightly more benevolent, less cutthroat way. Sometimes it's okay to say goodbye and both sides feel the same way. 
especially if you're looking to sell, not the business, of course, selling in the context of what we're discussing here. People need fresh starts. Someone may be looking to retire. Sometimes you'll make a personnel decision, not not from a win-at-all-cost point of view, but a severance, a retirement, a buyout. These can all be good things in the right circumstances. In cases where you're looking to retrench, honest conversations can not only be very productive, but very beneficial for both sides. Maybe a senior-level person isn't interested in a restart, working with a newer team, a less capable team, a smaller team if you're looking to cut costs and do layoffs. There could be a lot of cash freed up to support the business in a different way. Take that same idea and swap out roles. Maybe a less experienced but capable team member won't enjoy the prospect of their supervisor or mentor moving on, the collaboration, the opportunity to grow and develop professionally. If that's taken away from someone, maybe that person will be happier somewhere else. In in each of the examples I'm discussing, again, you don't have to do anything, but we 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 have to examine the opportunities relative to the state of the business. And number four, finally, the pipeline. I briefly mentioned it before, but if it's a strong pipeline, possible new revenues, that that tells a big part of the story and helps us make a quality decision. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's it's really not that complicated. Why isn't it that complicated? Because you know. Come on, guys, you know. You can look at your pipeline and tell what your business is going to look like for at least the next 6 to 12 months. What's the probability of new accounts closing? Which large client recently went out to bid? Or is a partnership you know, not generating any fruit? Or maybe it is. There usually aren't any surprises here. And while I don't have a lot to say about this, I do think this is not only extremely important, but it's an extreme opportunity of weakness and a good sell indicator for smaller companies when they don't have strong pipelines. I see a lot of small CRAs with one to two clients who make up 40 to 60% of that revenue. That's incredibly risky as a business to be so top heavy. So a lot of your buy and sell decisions can be made on the, on the basis of this tip alone, the pipeline review. And lastly, the Yankees. Now, anyone who's seen me on a webinar has seen my wall of Yankee memorabilia in the background, uh, an office decorated as if I were perpetually 13 years old, which if you ask my wife, I, I kind of am. Uh, this year, the Yankees are, are stuck, uncomfortably, disturbingly in the middle. They're not bad enough to tear it down and sell. They're nowhere good enough to buy, to invest in seeking a championship. Now, no one who's not a Yankee fan will have a single shred of compassion for me right here. <laughs> so it, it's important to look past the team and just think about the idea, right? I'm talking about picking a lane. The The frustration with the Yanks isn't that they win half of the games and lose half of the games. The frustration is they're just kind of treading water. Not good enough to invest in the business. Not bad enough that they should retreat, retrench, and become stronger in order to better succeed down the road. If you're stuck, if you feel like you're in neutral, I strongly urge you to break out of it one way or the other. Selling's not a bad play if you're stuck in neutral. Buying is not a bad play if you're stuck in neutral. Just don't tread water. In 6, 12, 18, 24 months, your business will thank you for it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Background Check Radio and Argyle, today's sponsor. Remember to like, subscribe, and download the Background Check Radio podcast wherever you listen to your content. Have a great day.